Today we are learning uh, Daf Pei. We're talking about someone carrying out ink. In the Mishnah, I mentioned that the shear for carrying it out ink to be chayav is you carry out enough ink uh, to write two letters. So, Tana the Brayso elaborates: These size of two letters could be if it's just ink that's already dried and it's already two letters that have formed. or if they're just you know wet ink in the quill. or if it's in the holder, the holder of the ink. Um, that's also. So no matter what form the ink's in, what condition it's in, how it's being held, the shear always remains the same, the amount of uh, two letters. By Rava, but what if can they combine if they're in different forms? Let's say one letter's worth is in the dried ink, and one letter is in the quill, and one is in the holder of the ink. Would all these different cases combine? Because here they're in different forms, so maybe they can't combine. And the Gemara doesn't resolve that question. Take, uh, we don't resolve that. Amar Rava. Now, just to understand, Rava, we know that when you do a transfer on Shabbos, how it's all, you have to do a cure from one Roshosa, prude the, the item from one, from one property, and then move it to a second uh, location. And then when you get there, it's not enough that you brought it there, you have to place it down. You have to do a Hanachah. If you don't place it down, if you just move right through, you're not Chaya. So what happens? I'm a Rava Hoshishteyos. If someone's carrying out two letters, Uksav and Shumahalach, he doesn't stop in the new location, but he writes them in that Rosh Hashanah. Let's say he's going from his house into Rosh Hashanah. And in the Rosh Hashanah, he writes these two letters on a piece of paper. Chayav. He's Chayav for, for transferring it. I, he didn't stop. But the answer is, Zuhan writing them is considered putting them down. Why? Because you're permanently affixing them to the paper. So even though the paper is moving, but the location of the letters will now forever be permanently in place on the paper. So therefore, you've brought the letters to arrest by writing them in the Rosh Hashanah. It's a tremendous Chiddush. You didn't do Hanacha directly. But by writing them, that's considered permanently putting it into a new place. They've gotten a new Hanukkah, despite the fact that the paper will now be moving, but the letters are Munach uh, forever, and therefore your Chav. Says Rava. Now let's just, again, another little introduction. You have, you have, to, you have to carry... Uh, a certain amount to be chayv. Well, so if you do it in one shot, so clearly you're chayv. You carry two, two letters worth of ink, you're chayv. But what if I do one letter's worth of ink in one shot, I'm not chayv. But then I go back and I get another letter's worth of ink and I bring it. So now if they would both be there and uh, they both be intact and I have, after my two actions, two uh, letters worth of ink, so then you would be chayv. But Rava adds a big chiddish. Let's say somebody uh, takes out a letter's worth of ink and he writes it. Right there, right? So he did a Hanacha, but it was only one letter. Then he goes back, takes out another letter, and he writes it. Potter. In this case, he's Potter. The two halves won't combine. My time. What's the reason? Because at the time that he takes out the last letter, the first letter is already missing because it was exactly enough to write one letter, and, 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 and the ink goes down in volume as it's drying. So as it's drying, so it was no longer the shear to write one letter, it went down. So at the time when the second one came out, the first one is not a full letter. So if the first one is not a full letter, so then it cannot combine at this point to make two full letters. I, at the time that the first one was done, it was one letter, and at the time the second one was done, it was one letter, that's not enough to combine. In order to combine, the shear from the first one must be complete at the time that the second one is carried out. Otherwise, you're not gonna be able to, to combine. So the combination occurs when, 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 when the full shear from the, when the shear from the first one is there fully intact at the time that the, the second half comes out, then they combine. But if it went down a little bit, then it wouldn't be able to combine. The two half ones wouldn't be mitzdarif and you would be potter.
Someone takes out half a dried fig of food um, and puts it down. Remember, the shear for food is, is a dried fig. So a guy takes half a dried fig and he puts it down. And then he goes back and takes another half dried fig and he puts it down. We show an They don't combine because the first one is like it's been the dog caught it and ate it up. Ocean is has been burned. Upater is potter, meaning it's as if it's gone and therefore it can't combine with the second one. So the Mar says, why? What happened to it? It didn't get eaten up. It's still there. Meaning, what do you mean it's as if a dog ate it up or it got burned? But the dog didn't eat it up. The dog didn't get, and it didn't get burned. So it's still lying there. So why can't they combine? And again, the premise that Gemara is assuming is that two different actions can combine if they're both there intact after all is said and done. So why are we treating it as if a dog had um, destroyed it or had been burned before the second one got there? So the Gemara says, oh, this is what Rav is saying. If he came and picked up the first one, before he puts down the second one. So at the time when he puts down the second one, the first one is no longer munach, it's no longer at rest. Then, the first one is as if it's been caught by the dog or burned up, Upater and your potter. Because in order to be Mitzdarek, they have to both be munach together. They have to both be at rest together. Then we can say, even though you didn't do the action at once, you did it in two separate acts, but they combine because at the end of both acts, they're both munach together in the second Rishos. But here, they're not munach together at the end of the, se- at the, end of the second action because you picked up the first one first. So therefore, you would be Pater just like in a case where a dog ate it before the second one, um, before the second one came. Says Rabbi Nader Chiddush, someone takes out half of the fig and he puts it down. And then he goes back, he's carrying out the second half and he passes it right over the first one. He's chayv, even though he didn't do hanacha. Meaning, he took out the first one, he puts it down. Okay, but he didn't yet do the shear. He goes back, he gets another half a fig, and he's passing, and he passes it right over the location uh, where, where the first half one, where the first half fig is lying. He's chayv, even though he doesn't do hanacha to the second one. So the Gemara says, how can that be? I'm not, you didn't put down the second one, right? You can combine two halves if they're both put down, but if you didn't put down the second one, how is it going to combine? So the Gemara says, you talking about a case where you put the second half within three tvachim of the first one. So we know that there's a, uh, a concept of love that any space less than three tvachim is closed. So Rava is saying that when you put it within three tvachim, in three tvachim of the first of the first half, it's as if it's sat down, and therefore, and therefore you're chayav. Now it's interesting that uh, we say that after that you put it within three tvachim of the first half fig, it could be within three tvachim of the ground. It doesn't specifically have to be, uh, you know, that it's to combine. It doesn't. It could just be munach on the same domain. It doesn't have to be literally placed on top of it. So why did we saying specifically that you passed it over the first half fig? So the Rishonim say it could be we're coming to say a chiddush that. Even if it wasn't, if you know, it was, it wasn't within three tachim on the ground, but it was in three tachim of the fig, because the fig is a little bit, you know, it, it takes up a little space from the bottom. From the bottom, so that would also make a lavud, and therefore it's as if the second one is put down, and then therefore the two halves would would combine, and you would be chayv. Says the Gemara, within three tachim of the ground, the rabbanon still hold that it's not called the hanacha. So what's this context of rabba? So rabba is talking about. So it's when somebody's throwing something from Rosh Hashanah through Rosh Hashanah and it doesn't stop in the Rosh Hashanah and it goes literally uh, through the Rosh Hashanah into another Rosh Hashanah. So it never went, it, it, there was no Hanukkah on the Rosh Hashanah so the Rabbanon say you're potter. Now Rabbi Akiva says you're chayv because he has a concept of that's something whizzing by Rosh Hashanah in, in a motion 
And when it's being thrown, it's as if it comes to place, as it, as it is as if it comes to rest in the Rishas. But the Rabbana disagree with that. Okay, so Rabbana will your potter because it didn't come to rest in the Rishas or Rabbana. What if it was whizzing by within three Tfachim? So in other words, it's, very, it's like a very low throw that's within three Tfachim of the ground. There, maybe the Rabbana would agree it's like it's Munach on the Rishas or Rabbana because it's within three Tfachim. Rabbana says no. Unless it rests on something, even if it's within three tfachim, it's not considered a hanacha according to Rabbanon, and therefore you would still be potter. So how come here we're saying that we could use lava to achieve a hanacha? If Rava said there, well, then when the, the item is whizzing through, even if it's within three tfachim, it's not considered to be munach. So the more answer is low kasha. It's not a question. Kambazorik, there Rava was talking about where someone threw it. So if it's being thrown, there's nothing that, that, that makes it considered to be to be a part of the, a part of the rishos that it's whizzing by, that it's whizzing through. It, it, just because it happens within three tefachim, it's not a hanacha. Kamba mavir here, Rav is talking about someone is carrying it, and when he's carrying it, it, it it's kind of it's kind of munach in the hands of the person carrying it. So as soon as the hand gets within three tefachim on the ground, it's as if you put down the chayfetz. But when it's being thrown, there's no shaykes to the to the rishos at all. It's not even in our case. At least there's someone who's it's being held in the hand, and the person is 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 is, is walking through the rishos. But so therefore, we can say that within three tefachim, it's all automatically considered munach on that rishos. But if it's not being whizzing through the rishos from as someone's throwing it, we can't say just because it's within three tzvachim of the ground that it's considered like it is munach. Continues the Gemara. Again, the principle that we're saying here is that two acts of hotzah can combine if each act was a half a shear. Uh, they can combine as long as, af- as long as after the second act is done, the first, um, the first half item is still intact there. So the Gemara says, Someone carries out the half the dried fig. And then he carries out another half fig. As long as it's the same lapse of awareness, he's But if he realized in the middle that, that it was forbidden, and then uh, he subsequently made another mistake and did it, Potter, because that's the concept that we were learning about last week, that, that in order for things to combine to be it has to be in the same, has to be in the same lapse of awareness. You became aware that your first half was not allowed on Shabbos, and then you forgot again and did another half, they don't combine, it's considered two separate mistakes. So it has to be one big mistake that you hadn't realized it was forbidden in the middle. Okay. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi qualifies another important caveat to when they combine. If it's within the same lapse of awareness and you carry them both out to the same Rishos, you're Chayef. But if you carry them to two separate Rishos, Pater, you are Pater. They only combine if both halves end up in the same Rishos. But if they're not ending up in the same Rishos, you're not Chayef. So let's just say, you know, you come walking out of Rishos Hayachot. So you do one act and you carry it into one Rishos Harabim. Then the second half, you don't carry into the same Rishos Harabim. You carry it into a different Rishos Harabim. Rabbi Yossi is saying, you're Pater. Because the two halves are not in the same Rishos at the end, so they can't combine. They only, are, they only combine if the second act brings the second half to the same Rishos that the first one is waiting for. Says the Gemara about Rabbi Yossi's opinion, It's only if to get from one Rishos Harabim to the other Rishos Harabim, you would have to violate a of Chathos to get from one to the other. Rashi says, meaning that the two Rishos Harabims are separated by Rishos Hayach. So then, it's like a, an area that, 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 that is is separating between the two, meaning there's a divide. It's like this huge barrier. There's not one big Rishos Rabbim because the Rishos are between the two. That's when we say that the fact that one Chayfetz is here and the other Chayfetz is there, they don't combine. is low, but let's say they're just separated by a Carmelis, something that's, you know, on a Daraisa level, uh, just bottled to whatever it is. It's not, it's not considered to be, uh, it's just like a one big Makum Tor. It's not Rishos HaYachot or Rishos Rabbim. Then they're not considered separate. Then we just can say, that, 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 that in regard to the Chi of Daraisa, it's it's as if it's one huge Rishos, and you would be Chayev, even though technically they're on different streets. 
No, even if the two Rishus are separated by a Carmelist, they're considered separate. They're separate because they're separate, not because there's a, a separate Rishus halachically dividing them. They're separate because it's a separate street. So even if it's just a Carmelist that divides, it's considered separate and they don't combine. But if they're just separated by, you know, a piece of wood, more like a, you know, big log here, that's what it means. They're, not, they're still not considered separate. If it's just, you know, a big, a big piece of wood lying, lying, lying across it that doesn't divide the two parts of the street, that doesn't separate. For Even if they're just separated by a divide, a big log that divides the two separate uh, halves of the street, and the, the two items, the two half items were not combined. Rava who considers that this log of wood is a barrier between the two streets and is considered separate shios, he is consistent with what he says somewhere else. Laws of Shabbos are like the laws of a get. So the halacha is that the Torah says you give a get to the hand of the woman, but we say that even if the get is placed into the domain of the woman, that she is divorced. We say that in Masechah's Gain. So what if the woman's in the yard, um, into 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 a yard, but instead of going in, 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 instead of landing in the yard itself, it lands on like a log that's not quite for tefachim, and it's 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 it, is that considered like it landed in the domain or not? Because is do we view that the log is like a separate entity that makes a barrier between it and the and the yard or not? So Rava, so there we say that it does, and she's not divorced. So Rava is saying that the laws of Shabbos are like the rishus of Gittin. So just as the log is a barrier there in the laws of Gittin, so too it's a barrier here in the laws of Shabbos, and practically that would make a difference. If you carry out two halves of the figs, one half is on one side of the barrier, the other half is on the other side of the log, they would not combine, you would be bothered. Continues the Gemara back to the Mishnah. The paint for the eye, like kind of like this eyeshadow thing, like uh, makeup, your chive, you take out enough, the size to, to paint one eye. So the Gemara says, I mean, who does such a thing? You don't know, look, you, you look ridiculous if you apply the makeup to just one eye. So why is it significant to be able to do such a thing? Because modest women do such a thing. The key is that uh, modest women, the Gemara is referring to, would cover, would have a veil over their face and they would have one eye covered. So therefore, since that eye was covered, they didn't bother with the makeup on that eye. They would only apply the makeup to the other eye. So since they're only applying the makeup to the other eye, now it's significant to carry out one eyes makeup. Maybe we have America. the sheer for the the pain for the eye. If it's for healing, and then even just one eye because it's for healing. Um, that would occur if you need to put medicine to one eye, then uh, that would be enough to be mechayiv. But if it's just for beauty, then it's only enough if it's the size for two eyes. So it's, it's against uh, what we were saying over from Ravuna. Ravuna is saying that even for just one eye is good because of the modest women. But here we're saying that you have to carry out two, the size for two. So the one says, We're talking about regular village women. They don't live in the city and... Um, it's uh, it just because, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's like the out-of-town life. There's not as many people, so they, the levels of modesty didn't have to be as great because it wasn't constantly bumping into people. So therefore, they went without the veil. So since they went without the veil, so then for them, one eye makeup is ridiculous. So therefore, the shear is going to be two. Now we go back to the mission. The mission says, Shav, the size of Waski. They lean up in neck of cotton. It's the size, it's the size to put on the opening of a hole. Tana, what's the hole? Could they lean up in neck of cotton? Show yain. And the small hole of a wine barrel. So the wine barrel is very small openings because we don't want the wine to seep out. So to cover that little hole of wax, that's the shear, because then it's significant to, for such a purpose. Devek, for the next thing we learned in the Mishnah, for glue, could they leave the Rosh Hashav to put on top of the head of the board? So Tana says in the price, could they leave the there's enough glue to put on the head of the board. We're talking about the head of the board 
by the, the bird trappers. So the bird trappers, they had a board that was attached to like a, like a long bamboo stick and then they would, they would smear the board with glue and it would get stuck there. So you, we need enough glue that would be able to capture, uh, to be able to capture the bird. That's what we're talking about. We continue on, the pitch and the sulfur to make the hole. So enough to make a hole. So here it seems like a whole, a whole thing, but it's got this mercury and you want it to seep out drip by drip. You don't want it too much. So therefore, they would use the pitch for that, and that's what the Mishnah is referring to. Charsis, the crushed brick, the elastis picor. It was enough to make an opening for that thing where they melt metal. Uh, the gold guys melt it, and Rebuda said, no, it's enough to make the tripod. So which one is bigger? So, so you would assume that making a tripod is a much bigger shear than for making the opening for the, the melting of the metal. So the Gemara it sounds like Rabbi Yehuda's shear is larger, he's more lenient. So the, the Gemara says, maybe the shear is Rabbi Yehuda's Rabbi Yehuda's shear is more larger, that he's more lenient. It's usually when Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanon have a machloka as about carrying on Shabbos, we find that the Rabbanon are more, are more mekel titnan because we learn about the, the reed, and we learn this, what the reed grass. So Rabbi Yehuda said, that even if it's not, the Rabbanon there, I think we're saying this, this shear of the reed grass was to, to hang uh, a, a, a sifter from and review this says no even if just a smaller shear that you would measure a, a child's shoe to know you know how big how big uh, their feet are to know what size shoe to make that's a smaller shear already your high so there we see that review this says your high of even with a smaller shear and the rabbonim were the ones who were being more makel so the gemara is bothered why here are their opinions reversed in regard here to the crushed brick it sounds like review is being more lenient in saying the amount to make a tripod and the rabbonim being more mach when they're saying the the opening for the core so why is it why the why their opinions reversed now it's an interesting question why the, what are the two uh, connections and Allah have to do with each other. Why can't it be that in one case Rabbi is more mekel and in the other case Rabbi Yudah is more mekel? It's not like every case is the same. Why exactly is the, Rabban, the Gemara comparing them? It's a little bit difficult. So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yudah didn't mean to make the whole uh, tripod. That's not what he's talking about. He's just saying that there would be, there would be like cracks in the tripod by the stove. So that's just to fill in the cracks. You would use some crushed pick. And that's actually a smaller shear than what the Rabbanim were saying. So actually it's consistent that Rabbi Yudah is more stringent in these laws. Okay. Now we learn um, about hair. So Tana Rabbanim, Motsi Seher, someone carrying out hair because that was with it. Enough to knead the clay. Uh, it seems like Rashi, Rashi explains that they actually would help the clay have a little bit of hair with it. It did. When you're carrying out the clay itself, to make an opening for the for this metal, um, when they would melt the metal, the core of the people working with gold. Okay, Sid, the lime, right? The lime is, is a mineral, it comes out of the ground. So, they would smear on the little parts of girls. So, what does this mean? A little finger of girls. Now, the, the basic idea is that that, and the Gemara will tell us about it, but they wanted to get the hair off. If you had a Jewish girl who reached her time, meaning that she, she has signs of maturity, she has hair, and um, it's embarrassing, right? It's embarrassing because they, they, they're too young for it. They hadn't reached the, the, the years, so it's weird. So what would they do? They want to get rid of the hair. So if they're poor, they'd remove it with lime. Richer people would use flour. The rich people, the kings, the aristocrats, they would use shem and hamar. This is by Esther. Um, we see such special, special oils. My Shem and Amar, nothing wants to know what is this. It's a special oil with perfumes. It's got spices in it. It's olive oil that the olives haven't grown a third of their growth. That's the luxury, that type of oil. Tanya, 
Rabbi Yehuda Mar Pignon Shem Zayv Shloshish. I'm picking on is all that 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 term. I'm picking on is from olives that haven't grown a third. So now the Gemara wants to know what what's going on. Why do people use Shem and Amar? Shemasher is a there because it removes hair. It's good for that, like we saw the the daughters of kings do that. It makes a glow, it makes a radiant skin. Now the Gemara says where we see this Rabbi Rabbi had a daughter. Kafla Aver Aver. He smears her one limb at a time. With um, oils and her skin became amazing. And he was able to take 400 zuz for her. It seems like there was almost like a, an auction. People who would, who would marry her. And he, able, he was able to get 400 zuz because of her great beauty that all came from this oil. There was once a gut, but there was a guy that was in his neighborhood. He also had a daughter. And he saw her, Bibi said, and he wanted to imitate him. So the one time he smears her body, um, but he did it. He used all the lime. Um, all at one time. She didn't do it limb by limb. Umesa and his daughter actually died. Um, it's amazing. The, the, the line was really bad. The line was really bad for her body. It was too much to handle. So Amar, he said, call to Rabibi the brother. Rabibi killed my daughter. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't copy copy what Rabibi had done correctly. Amar of Nachmin, Rabibi, Shasi Sheikh Rabibi, who has beer in his house. They drink beer. That's why his daughter needs this lime smearing. We don't have beer. They don't need the smearing. Evidently, the drinking of the beer uh, is bad for uh, the body hairs. And that's why um, it makes it like more visible. And that's why they, they were using this lime to get off the hair and make, it, make her skin look much better. But if people don't drink beer, then it's not so necessary to get rid of the hair because the hair doesn't is not so dark and it's not as noticeable and you don't have to get rid of it. Okay, then Rebuda Omer he had a different shear because they lost a kilkel. It's enough to smear a kilkel and Reb Nechemia said enough to smear and deepy. So we don't know what these are. So we're doing a machlokas here about what's the size, right? We said the lime the Hanukkah because they lost the small little the the, the, the small finger of girls. Rebuda saying smearing a kilkel and Nechemia saying that and deepy. We don't want to know what these is. My kilkel and deepy. What are these things? Amarav Sidova Sida. It's the, the, the tzidda, the, the temple by the head, and then basidda means the part under the temple. Uh, and they would use lime. What are they doing here? So, so on the temple, they wanted to like pat it down. And the part under the temple, they want to remove. Those are like hairs, shorter hairs that would be there, they want to remove. So it sounds like now we have the same thing. I guess we think that it, the, the amount of lime that you're going to smooth down the hair on it is much more than the hair to remove the hair that's beneath it. So that would mean that Rebihudo was saying the kilkal is a bigger shear than Rabbi Nechemia. So the Gemara asks, maybe shear of the Nafesh is Rabbi Yudah more lenient in the laws of caring. How come the shear of the Nafesh Rabbanan? Didn't we always say Rabbi Yudah is like the most machmer? Right? He's more machmer than the Rabbanan. So the Gemara says, Zudim Rabbanan, but not Rabbi There was a three-way dispute here. Right? The Rabbanan were saying to smear on the little girls, right? So that he was being more machmer than them. Um, he, he was saying, he was just saying on the, on the temple, but uh, on, on the temple that, but in the Hanami, it's, Rabbi Nechemi was even more machmer. That's okay. We didn't say Rabbi Yudah is the most stringent opinion. We said he's more machmer than the Rabbanan. It's okay to find that Rabbi Nechemi was more machmer for him. from the bride, so I'm a Rabbi It says Rabbi Yudah, what Rabbi Yudah said, Again, Rabbi Yehuda said that the shear is, the term was kilko, Rabbi Nechem says andipi. So Rabbi comments that Rabbi Yehuda says it appears to be right, um, if the lime is already dissolved. Rabbi Nechem says it. Rabbi says it makes sense if it's not, if it's all like congealed together. So 
So we said, so if you think that Kikola and Tipi are talking about the temple and under the temple, everyone uses dissolved lime. Who's going to use a clump of, uh, a clump of lime for that? So if the, the different terms that we were talking about, uh, Kilkula and Deepi mean on the temple and under the temple, the head to remove the hair. So, so what are we talking about? Well, one's using clump, a lump of lime, one's using dissolved lime. Of course, in both cases, they're dissolved lime. So from the fact that Rebbe's distinguishing uh, in the Baraisi here between the dissolved and lump of lime, obviously we got the definitions wrong. So the Gemara says, Ella, rather, Amar Yitzvah, Ami Debeir, Ami Andipa, So Rebbe Huda Taka was talking about the temple. Okay, then Bala had the hair over there. But what was Rebbe Chemia talking about? What is the Andipi? Andipi is, um, Andipa, Rashi says, is, is like a barrel and it's got spigots that come out of it. And, um, Actually, that's the, 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 the kind of the, that analogy of the word. It's got two different uh, spigots on the top and the bottom. So they would seal the bottom one uh, when they were filling the barrel. And what would they seal it with? They would seal it with a lump of lime. And that was what Rebbe's, Rebbe's comment is. If it's a lump of lime, then it makes sense to be Rebbe Nechemia's thing. If it's a dissolved lime, it makes more sense to be Rebbe Huda's thing. So the Gemara asked, Moscow Rokhan, is that the right definition? person make his money like destroyed. Like, why would he seal the opening barrel with lime? What's gonna happen? It's gonna dissolve and the wine gets destroyed. You don't want to have the lime mixing with the wine. That's disgusting. So it can't be that Andipi is uh, the seal for the basket of the barrel of wine. So Andipi are markings on the outside of the of measuring things. So basically it's like markers to know how much is there. Where do we see such a thing? It's not Shinosa so I have a hin. In the base I make there say a big hin measurement, a twelve uh, 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 the hin measure twelve look. But then we're filling up the wine, sometimes you need a half a look, sometimes you need a quarter. So they had markers on it to know how much it was. I count the pie, this is how much you need if it's a bull. Because uh, each animal that's brought requires a different amount of wine libations. I come I'll hear for around like in the cabs here for a sheep. So that's what it can mean that they would use some lime for marking. So if it was a lump, they would use it for that. It means the stuff that's put on the forehead, not the temples, nothing to do with hair. It was just, they put it there and it really would be good for the color. So with the color of the, of the skin. So that's a lump of, the lump of lime. The dissolved lime is what you use for hair. And where do we see such a thing? We also do There's once a case of person like a little came to bubble. They sent him, can you darshan for us the maizimarkava? Actually, we read it after on Shavuos, right? It's all about the extreme things of seeing Malachim, and they were they all switch of special things that we don't fully understand. So they wanted a drush on my smart So Amalehu, this guy said to them, "Edrish lechu, I'll give you a drush." Kedush Reb Nechemia lechaber. Like Reb Nechemia gave to his um, to his chaber, so he was going to give the drush of Arkai Rebbe Menkos. Suddenly, this really bad bug comes out from a hole. Malchid on Pia, it hits him. Stings him right on on Dipi. So in context, we see it means I guess his forehead. Miss he dies. Ramelay said Mindile Dole that it's from his it's own it's his own fault. You know if he was going to darshan about these things, Hashem doesn't want him. We're not supposed to give drushes publicly. But my Smarkava, that's why he died. So in the, from this context, we see that Dipi is the forehead, and the Kamara accepts accepts this conclusion. So bottom line is we have three opinions for uh, Sid. We have the Tanakama who's saying the most makel. That it's to smear the, on, uh, on, the, on the girl's finger to remove her, the hair. We have Yehuda who's saying the kilkul, which we're saying is by the temple area to remove the hair. And Rabbi Chemia is saying the andipi, which was more of a lump of lime to, to, to put onto the forehead that was good for its color. Okay, more stuff. Adama, from carrying out soil. If it takes enough to seal 
But Tarifin is like people who would, who would like be packaging a bunch of stuff, so they would seal it with Dirty Rebbe Akiva. Uh, Rashi says that that was just the way they would do it. They would have a seal on them and they used to use dirt. No, the seal for a letter. Letters, right? They didn't want it to be read by somebody else. So they would use soil, um, a small, it's obviously a smaller shear, to seal it. What about fertilizer? Fine sand. You don't have to fertilize even just one stalk of cabbage. That's, 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 that's enough. Even just to fertilize um, a leek. And that's less than the cabbage. That's even more machmer. Cholagas, but if it's big sand, so it's not good for fertilizing, it's enough to, to mix this, this, this heavy sand with uh, some lime. So a kaf is like a, kind of like a little small shovel thing. And uh, if it was filled with lime, they would mix it, they would mix this um, sand in it. So, so, so if there was enough to mix with the lime, then, then you're high. Kana for re kumas, enough to turn into a pen. In my oven versus if it's thick or it's cracked, so you can't use it for a pen, then what's the shear? Then we treat it like fuel, like fuel for a fry. It would be enough fuel to cook the easiest egg to cook. Truth and Asuna Elf has already been beaten, which evidently makes it cook quicker and been put in a pot. And you just need uh, fuel for it. So it's significant if you can cook, an easily cooked egg that's already been beaten is in the pot. Okay, so now we identify here. One of the things that we were talking about was the, was the, the coarse sand. So we said that it's enough that you would put mix, to mix with the lime. So we're talking about a plaster. So if someone is plastering, so he's got the lime and, and they would mix in uh, he would mix in this, this sand with the plaster. So the Gemara says, Who is a Tana that says sand is good for lime? Meaning, obviously, we're seeing that this is a good thing if that's what the significance of the sides is. But who holds it's a good thing? There's an Isser. After the Chorban Beis Mikdash, we always have to remember, I always have to remember that the Beis Mikdash is not here. So when a person builds a house, you, you can't decorate it with beautiful white lime. So there's an answer to do such a thing. Ella and Lassim can You have to mix in some straw or sand into the plaster because then it, 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 it detracts from the beauty of the white of the plaster. So we see here that mixing in sand is not good. It's like bad. That's why, that's what allows you to plaster your house when you mix it in with sand because now it's not so good. If you don't mutter, if it's straw, it's mutter, it makes it bad. If you mix it with sand, it's awesome. Uh, because it actually makes the plaster better. It makes it strong. So it's going to make it really good. So Rebuda seems to say mixing, mixing sand with plaster, with, with the plaster with the lime is good. So it must be that our Mishnah is like Rebuda. The Rabbanon actually consider it to be bad, so they wouldn't agree to the ruling in the Mishnah. Rav Amar, Filote Rabbanon, could be like the Rabbanon. Kilkulo Zedikuno, the breaking is its fix. Meaning, you want to know why it's significant? It's significant because of the halacha. Because of the halacha, that plaster is not supposed to be perfectly white. And you have to do something to darken it. And putting sand darkens it. Therefore, it's significant. It's significant because now you'll be allowed to use the lime. So it's like, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Of course, it's not in, intrinsically beneficial to put the sand into the lime. That's, it makes it worse. But because of the fact that now we'll allow you to use it for plastering your house, post the horba, now it's significant in the shear. And if you carry it out, you're chayev. Kana, we said for Rik, Kedilas was kumas enough to make a pen. Tana, it says in the price of kumas, Magila Kishri has that the, 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 the reed has to be long enough that it would get. It would get to the to the joints of the fingers. So by Ravashi, which joint, right? Is it Is it the top joint by the, the fingers going to the hand or the bottom joint, which is in the middle of the fingers? How big is this reed? So the Mars says, take it, we don't give an answer. 
Then we said, if it was too thick or cracked, so you can't use it as a pen, so then, you, then the shear of the reed is to be like fuel. And we said that it can cook a very, um, a very easy cooking egg that was beaten in a pot. So, Tana, Trufa, Bashem, and Asuna, Bilfa. So, it means it was beaten mixed with oil, so it makes it easier to cook, and it was already placed uh, inside. Inside the pot. What, what kind of egg is an easily cooked egg? The mission seems to refer to a specific type. It's saying an easily cooked egg. What is the easily cooked egg? It's an egg from a dove. So my time, why is this egg cooked cook so fast? It's very small. So that's why if it's very small, it cooks quickly. So he said, no, he meant it's parta. Maybe it's a different type of bird. It's a parta bird, which is even smaller. So Ishtik, he didn't give an answer. So Amalei, son said to Mishmael Chag, do you know an answer? Amalei, Hachim, Rav Rav said, based on Tanakh, that's actually, it's an egg from an end. But my Karla, based on why is it an easily cooked egg? Kashir HaChacham, L'Chacham and measure. There is no egg easier to cook. Yosir me basis tarnagolas from the egg of a hen. So it's not about size. It just happens to be that this hen's egg cooks super quickly. What's so different? Usually with food, anything to do with food, we say that the shear is significant food is a dried fig. Here you need a full egg. Right? What's going on? We should say that... Um, the reed is only significant to use as fuel, as fuel to cook food that's the size of a fig. Why are we saying that it's significant if you could cook food the size of an egg? So, if you take out enough of this reed to cook, the amount of a dried fig of an easily cooked egg. Meaning the mission didn't mean that there has to be enough to cook the whole egg. The egg could be bigger than the fig. The, the, the mission meant that you could cook a part of the egg that's equal to the size of the dried fig. We were just saying it's an easily cooked egg because that will cook faster so you don't need as much fuel. But it doesn't mean you have to cook the whole egg. It could be that the size of the whole egg will, in a khanami, be bigger than a fig. You don't need such a, such a large amount. We were just saying a part of that egg, but specifically this thing that cooks so easily, that's the shear of the reed.